Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Alfredo Peña, and we are excited that you are joining us today. The scripture reading for today is in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. The title of my sermon is, Do You Know Because You Know Because You Know? Let us go to the scripture this morning. And it says this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea of Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but do you, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for this time together. And I thank you, Holy God, for the desire, God, that uh, every person, God, that is connected today has demonstrated to get closer to you, God, to increase in our relationship and in our knowledge of you. So we ask that you move freely this morning, God, that your Holy Spirit just open our ears for us to hear and open our spirit, God, so that we may receive the message that you have to teach us today. We pray this in your Son's most holy name. Amen. Just a little bit of background uh, today. We continue in the book of Matthew. Uh, we're in chapter 16 now, and we see that the disciples are on their journey to Jerusalem, but they stop here in Caesarea of Philippi. And today we're going to talk about decisions. Um, we're going to talk about um, important answers to some important questions. And so today we're going to look at three life application points that are going to help us better understand this scripture. But let's talk about decisions for a little bit, um, because as I was um, studying for this sermon, I googled, uh, just because just I was curious, how many decisions do we make a day? Does an average person make a day? And it's pretty interesting. I would uh, recommend that you, that you do that. But according to Google, um, an average person makes about 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000 decisions. No wonder we are so tired by the end of the day. <laughs> um, well, the interesting thing is, you know, and, and the decisions um, don't necessarily have to be big decisions. Sometimes they're decisions that we don't even think about. You know, what am I going to wear today? Am I going to have creamer and sugar in my coffee? Do I answer that phone call? Do I reply to that text? I mean, it could be simple decisions that we make um, every day like that, but there could also be some pretty serious decisions, some pretty important decisions that have maybe have to do with a job or or in our health or, or an important investment, or a big purchase. So, so the decisions might vary, but it's, it's an average of about 35,000 decisions a day. Um, there's also another study that um, 
had to do with pastors. And this was pastors more on um, bigger churches that had about 500 members uh, and were still growing. And, and that study showed that pastors can make up to 100,000 decisions a day. I'm sorry, a year. 100,000 decisions a year. So again, you know, the, this, this could be smaller decisions or big decisions, but um, there, nonetheless, they are um, decisions that we make. And, and some of them don't have to be hard for it to be important. For example, um, you decide you want to get married, right? Um, to the love of your life, well, that should be an easy decision to make that is in a very important, life-changing uh, decision. But because you love the person, it could be one of the easiest decisions you uh, are asked to make. Um, and again, just because it's an easy decision doesn't mean that it can't be uh, pretty serious, important, or even complicated. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. John C. Maxwell famously put it, Life is a matter of choices, and every choice you make makes you. It's interesting because last week we talked about um, the whatever comes out of our mouths reveals what's in our heart. And I think today we're going to be able to see that the decisions that we make um, can also be related to say a lot about where we are spiritually. So here's the first life application. Here Jesus is asking the disciples, who do they say that I am? They, not, not them, but who do they, the people that are out there, who do they say that I am? What are they saying about me? Now, why do you think Jesus wants to know that information? Why do you think Jesus asks that question? Well, I can tell you, it wasn't a Gallup poll type of question. It's not that Jesus wanted to know uh, what his degree of favoritism, uh, favoritism was out there. You know, how many people um, thought uh, good things about him or what was his favorability score out there. That, that wasn't what Jesus was interested in. He wasn't not interested in that information either so that he could change his performance. It's not like he was going to say, well, I want to know so that I can maybe change my approach or so that I can change some of the things that I'm doing. Uh, obviously, it wasn't about that either. So why was it important? Why was Jesus asking that question? Why did he care about what they were saying about him? And you know what? Some of the commentaries will tell you that it wasn't so much that he was interested in what they were saying, but it was going to be a connection because he wanted to see if what they were saying influenced or was connected in some way to what the disciples would answer. Um, and I think that could be a possibility. But I tell you, in my spirit, I feel like it is not just that. I feel that one of the reasons that Jesus was asking, who do they say that I am? It's because if you're following the scriptures, if you're following the stories like we have week after week, then by now you know that Jesus has been healing people. Jesus has been delivering people. Jesus has been preaching and teaching. Jesus has been feeding the masses, 5,000 at one time, 4,000 in another. So, so Jesus had been doing some amazing things. He had been doing miracles. He had been he had been really just, you know, changing people's lives out there. And the question I think that Jesus was asking was, are they testifying to what I am doing? While, what is their witnessing um, about me? And, and I, church, I think that's important. And this is why I'm, I'm making that connection because he's saying, what do they know? Which means they, they weren't really maybe followers of Jesus. 
And the only way that they would know about Jesus is if people told them what Jesus has been doing. So I wonder if those people that, that he healed, I wonder if they went and, and they told people about what Jesus had done. I wonder if the people that he fed, I wonder how many went and said that Jesus had fed them out of just a few pieces of bread and fish. And I think it's an important question for us today because I think it speaks to our witnessing. I think that, that the people out there and what they're going to say about Jesus is going to depend on what we say and what we're doing and how we're living out our lives and how we are testifying about Jesus because whether we like it or not, we are living testimonies. And our actions and, and the words that come out of our mouths and the decisions that we make all reveal to who we are. And when people know that we are Christians, when they know that we are followers of Christ, then they will make that connection. So the question this morning is, what are they saying about Jesus because of what you are saying about Jesus, what I'm saying about Jesus? You know, they thought that, that he was John the Baptist, and, and others thought it was Elijah or Jeremiah or some of the other prophets. And now Jesus wasn't insulted by the fact that, that they were kind of saying it was, he was one of those um, individuals. But because Jesus did, you know, come and, and, and Jesus did come and, and preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins. So it wasn't that he would have a problem with being, um, with people thinking that he was one of those people. But by doing so, they were also removing, they were stealing Jesus' divinity. And that is important. Because when we compare Jesus to some of these other gods, to some of these other uh, individuals, to some of these great people, we cannot do that because then if we do that, we steal, we, we rob Jesus of his divinity. Because it doesn't matter how great some of these individuals were. It doesn't matter how great some of these prophets were. It doesn't matter how great John the Baptist was. There was only one Christ that died for their sins, for our sins. There was only one Christ who resurrected after three days. There was only one Christ who ascended into heaven. There was only one Christ who is God incarnate. There's only one Christ who went up to be with the Father, but send us the Holy Spirit. So, so for us to compare Jesus to others, we are absolutely removing and stealing his divinity from him. But I honestly, in my spirit, believe that what Jesus here was, was asking is, are they testifying? Are they witnessing to who I am? And the question for us today is, are we doing that? Because I know many of us have been healed. Many of us have been restored. Many of us have been delivered. Many of us have had some amazing transformation in our lives. And the question this morning is, are you out there sharing that story? Are you out there sharing the good news? Because the only way they're going to know about Jesus is through you and through me. So who do they say that I am, Jesus asks. I think it depends on how we're living out our lives and, and how we're being those witnesses and testifying. Here's the second life application point. Who do you say, Jesus says, that I am? So, so first he asks, what, what, do, what are they saying? Who do they say that I am? And when they answered him, then he says, 
Well, who do you say that I am? I heard you, but now I want to know, who do you say? Who am I to you? And this is a, a, a part that I think is really important in that relationship. I think at this point is when things really started to shift uh, for these disciples. They came to the point that we know today as the DTR moment. Anybody know what DTR stands for? Define the relationship. And, and, and those of you that might be dating, those of us that are married probably have already gone through that process. But define the relationship is when, you know, maybe you've been going out with somebody, maybe you've been, you know, having a good time and, and it's getting kind of serious, but you still, you know, are not sure where you are. And then finally, one day, somebody finally asks the question, can you define the relationship? In other words, if somebody asks you who I am, how would you define our relationship? Who would you say that I am, right? And that usually means, why do we ask that question? It's because it usually means that, you know, we're, we're getting serious. Because at this point, I want to know uh, where I am with you and, and where you are with me because, because this relationship is getting serious. Because I'm getting at the point where, you know, this relationship is, is changing even my life because I'm getting to the point where I'm leaving some things behind because I'd rather be with you. And I just want to know what our relationship, how would you define our relationship? And Jesus is doing that here with the disciples. He is basically saying, we need to define the relationship. Why does Jesus ask them that question? So, so here's the answer about who do they say that I am. But now he wants to know who do you say that I am? Why is that answer so important? Because this is an answer that has lifelong, serious, life-altering, and everlasting ramifications. Because how they answer that question right there at the moment was going to make a big difference in their lives and in the lives of many individuals because Jesus was entrusting them with the mission, with, with the, the, the divine appointment and assignment to go out and share the gospel, to go out and make disciples. So the only way they were going to be able to do that is by defining the relationship, by knowing who, who am I to you? Who, who, how would you define uh, me? Because this is going to be important as you go out there. Why was it important? Because we need to know who Jesus is in our lives. If he was to ask you and me this question today, who do you say that I am? Not who does your mom say that I am or who does your father say uh, that I am? So those of us that maybe have been uh, uh, grown up and brought up in, in the church. He's not saying, who does your pastor say that I am? Um, for those of us that um, are coming to church now. He doesn't say, who does your spouse say that I am? Because some might um, only you know, be interested in, in, in going to church because their spouse is interested in going to church. And, and sometimes this is, this is the, the truth, right? So, so the question for each one of us today, if Jesus was to ask us, who do you say that I am? We cannot rely on, on maybe the, the reasons on why we are here. And those are all good things. But at some point, we have to know for ourselves. We have to know because we know because we know who Jesus is in our lives. Why is that important? Why did he need to know that with the disciples? 
because Jesus knew what was about to come. They were on their way to Jerusalem. And Jesus knew that things were going to get hard. He knew that, that their world was going to change. He knew that they needed to go out and reach the lost and they were going to have to go through some major obstacles and they needed to know the answer to that question. Because if they didn't know who Jesus was to them, then you know what? These things were going to be impossible for them to overcome. So Jesus knew this was going to happen and he knew that they needed to get to that place where they knew because they knew because they knew. And church, if you look at chapter 14, they had already basically answered that question. They had said, you are the Son of God. So why is Jesus asking them that question again today in this part of the story? And I think it's because when he asked them that question, he had just um, you know, calmed the storm and, and they were around the disciples and they were with him. And so, so it was easy to answer that question. It was easy to know that he was the son of the living God when everything was good. But he knew that the times were going to be hard. He knew that they were not going to be all together anymore because he was going to send them off. He knew that they needed to be able to overcome and stay firm in those three days that he was going to be gone after he was going to be uh, crucified. And so he knew that they needed to know the answer to that question. And so he asked it again. This time he's saying, I need to know because I need to know because I need to know. And Peter is the first one that answered the question. And you gotta love Peter because he was the impulsive one. He was the one that probably always raised his hand and maybe didn't even raise his hand. He just kind of shouted out the answer. And Jesus and Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the chosen one. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus probably was happy because Peter finally got it right. And Jesus says, you're right. Blessed are you, Peter, because you finally got to that place where you know. And so, church, how do we answer that question? I think many of us could answer what the world is saying about God, what the world is saying about Jesus. I think many of us could even answer uh, from our backgrounds <clears throat> what our, our parents, our families, our spouses, or our churches, or our pastors are saying. But who do you say? Jesus is. Who is Jesus to you? When you're going to those difficult moments, when you're standing in that place being challenged, when the storms are, you're in the middle of the storm, who is Jesus to you? When you're, when you're, you know, confronted with a lot of choices, who is Jesus to you? And how we answer that question is very important because it's probably the only question out there that has lifelong, everlasting ramifications. And here's the third life application point. <clears throat> Who does the church say that I am? What does the call to follow Jesus mean to us today? See, back then, Jesus entrusted the church to the disciples and said, on this rock, I'm going to send you and you're going to you're going to go out there and you're going to build my church and he gave him the authority to do so. 
But the needs at the time <clears throat> were, were such that they were able to be relevant to those needs at the time. But the times have changed. The needs today are not the same needs that happened 2,000 years ago. The call, the call is the same, but the needs are different. And so, so today, who does the church say Jesus is today? When we have the authority to stand in, 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 in as ambassadors of Christ, who do we say we are? Are we relevant to the people that we are called to serve today? Church, and let me tell you, I don't think there was a time when this question was more important to the church than it is today. When we are in the middle of a pandemic, when we are in a really serious uh, racial um, tension out there in our country, when there is um, so many problems and, and such um, frustrations and, 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 you know, it's just, it's just a pretty dark moment sometimes as you, as you see what's going on out there. And so as a church, how are we re being relevant? Are we, are we taking a position for the needs of our communities today? Are we being relevant today? And let me tell you something, a church that is silent is not relevant. I'm gonna say that one more time, listen, you don't wanna miss this. When there is all these problems happening right now, when people feel so lost, when people are scared, when, when people just need a word of hope and light and, and comfort, and, and people just need to know that you are supporting them, that, that you are taking a position, that you see the oppression, that you see the divisiveness, that you see the racial issues, that you see the, in, uh, you know, the, the things and injustices of the world, and, and people need to know that you, my church, you, my pastor, you, my church family, you've got my back and a church that is silent is a church that is irrelevant so who do we say Jesus is as the church what is our message about Jesus let me tell you something I can see why so many people today would be so discouraged especially when it comes to the Christian community especially when it comes to the evangelical community. See, something that we're going to, I'm not going to touch on today, but we will learn much more about this during Bible study. The, happen, the, the, the fact that they happen to be in Caesarea Philippi is significant because they were in, in, in a town that was a, a major pagan town. They were in a place where they had a lot of false gods. There was a God for everything. If you wanted to worship whatever, you found a God in Caesarea Philippi that you could worship and that you could follow. And so they are in Caesarea of Philippi. And let me tell you something, you and I today, we are in Caesarea of Philippi. We are in a place today where you can find a thousand different religions, a thousand different um, gods, a thousand different people that will worship whatever it is that is out there. And, and the question today is probably much more relevant, um, but it just happens to be that the, where they were is exactly where we are today. 
And so the same question applies to us as well, knowing, church, that of everything that is out there, that you can worship so many different things out there, including even your 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 careers, your your money, you know, whatever it is that that many people choose to worship. Who do you say Jesus is? And as a church, I think it's time that we that we do some serious praying. And it is a time in where we have been activated. The church has left the building. And, and that means that we are out there in our communities. We're no longer just coming into this place to worship and feel like, you know, we are free to worship in here. And you know what? Now you have to worship in your own homes. Now you have to worship out there because we've gone from one building, from one church to now 80 buildings and 80 churches. So how are we being relevant? How many people are we touching? When people see you and me, and they see us as Christians, and they see us as members of New Beginnings, are we relevant to them? That's such an important question, Church. And it's one that we must be able to know our place. A church that is silent is a church that is irrelevant. And I don't know about you, but the last thing that I would say about our church is that we are irrelevant. We are definitely relevant uh, to our community. We are the Church of Reconciliation, and we have seen the reconciliation that has happened in our own congregation. And now it's time that we take that and that we be witnesses out there, that we testify about what God has done in our life, how He has re reconciled and restored families, and that we go out there and we share it, because I'm gonna tell you something, there are plenty of broken families out there now. We have reconciled our faith and our orientation, and there are plenty of people out there that still think that God has wants nothing to do with them, that they think that Jesus has wants nothing to do with them, that Jesus didn't die for them. You have reconciled your faith and your orientation. It is time that you go out there and that you share your story. Because the only way they're going to know who God is, and the only way they're going to know who Jesus is, the only way that they're going to be able to, to know who He is, is by what you and I share with them. Church, it's time that we take our place. When Peter answered, you are the Christ, Jesus answered Peter, and you, Peter, you are the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. When we know who Jesus is, he tells us who we are. Do you know? Because you know. Because you know. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Well, living God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Holy God, for your word, and, and we thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit, God, that knows how to reach us into those places, God, deep into our hearts, beyond the mask and the walls, God, and be able to reach us, God, to be able to get to a place, God, in which, in which we can make one of the most important decisions in our lives, God, and that is to be able to define our relationship with you, to be able to know who you are, God, that you are the, the son of the living God. And what does that mean? And Holy God, help us, God, as we go out into our communities, into our families, and into our, our churches, God, and, and that we become 
that we be and that we remain relevant, God, to the people that we serve. Who do they say that Jesus is? Is because we're going to go out there and we're going to witness and testify. Who do we say that you are? It's because we're going to surrender our lives and we're going to let you, God, do that transformation in our lives. And we're going to let you, God, be the guide of our lives, be, be the source of our lives, God. And who does the church say that you are? You are the one that came and, and, and gave your life so that we could have life everlasting. So that we can have a life of abundance and so that we could be more than conquerors. And we thank you for that. And we take our place. And Holy God, I just ask that you send your Holy Spirit, God, throughout our families and our communities and let them know to hold on that help is on the way. We thank you and we honor you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Church, I wanna thank you for joining us today. It is our prayer that this message and this service was a blessing to you. I invite you to visit our website, nb-ccc.org, where you'll be able to find additional information about our church and our services. I invite you to join us uh, on Wednesdays at 6.30 for a connections time. It's just a time for us to connect and just be able to see each other's faces and just be able to remain connected as a family. And then we have our seven o'clock uh, virtual Bible study. If you go to our website and go to the calendar of events, you will be able to see um, the information so you can join our virtual Bible study via Zoom. Also, go to our website and let us know how you are doing. Send us a message and, and, and give, send us your prayer request so that we can also be in prayer with you. It's also an opportunity when you go to our website to give your love offerings and your tithe. We thank you for joining us. And now, do you know, because you know, because you know. God bless you.